Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Bash and Bros podcast. I am your host, Billy Damiana. And I'm your co-host, Corey Damiana. All right. And this is episode two on this journey. Episode two. Uh, you know, episode one went relatively smooth. You know, definitely going to have to overcome some things, you know, work some kicks out. You know, this is actually, you know, as we said in the previous episode, a new endeavor that we're both going on, a new journey. So with time and better practice, the episodes will, you know, grow to get better. And quite frankly, we're not looking to make any money off of this. You know, we are looking to do just, you know, just to have fun and, you know, grow a community, hopefully have more conversations, more people to talk to. And hopefully just continue to just grow. That's that's the only real goal that we have set out for ourselves here. Um, how was your week? My week was pretty good um, from a purchasing standpoint. How about yourself? It was okay. Got some things through the door, and we'll talk about that during the weekly purchases segment. Um, it was really good, you know, but the only thing about the schedule is – you know, coaching takes up a lot of my time. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, it's nonstop all day, nonstop all day between parents, kids messaging you, trying to get workouts, trying to figure things out, you know, and being, you know, part of three different sports programs and then running camps all summer long. It's, uh, it's quite the grind. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, coaching, uh, three sports is never easy. Uh, especially when they're in three separate seasons, so you, you don't really much get much of a break going from football to wrestling into the spring with track and baseball and whatnot. No, not much at all. You know, you must be happy that as an Oregon Ducks fan, okay, going to the sports realm real quick, finalizing their deal to move into the Big Ten. This will be their final year in the Pac-12 along with Washington. So four Pac-12 teams going to the Big Ten and Colorado leaving the Pac-12 and going to the Big 12. I think this is the end for the Pac-12 as we know it. Yeah. I don't foresee anybody else trying to get into that league. They have no leverage and they have no TV deals. No, no. I, I, I don't think that I don't think the Pac-12 will be anything. Uh, it was never going to be anything major like it was when USC had like that powerhouse team with Matt Liner and Reggie Bush. They just they, they kind of fell, slowly fell off over the years. And, you know, it's pretty evident that the Big Ten and the SEC kind of took things over. And it's slowly becoming, in my opinion, the SEC versus the Big Ten and the Big 12. Um, I mean, Clemson pretty much has the ACC on lock uh, for the past couple of years. But, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see uh, Oregon move to the Big Ten. It's going to be an interesting challenge for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with that as far as the college football landscape. Um, is concerned, and maybe we can do an off episode just talking about solely about college football, but that's just some news that I knew that you would find, you know, extremely interesting for yourself, probably extremely excited, and then that means that earlier kickoffs so you don't have to stay up so damn late waiting for the Oregon Ducks to come on TV. Yeah, no more 10.30 p.m. games Eastern time. No, so, like, the only time Oregon will play a night game when they go into the Big Ten is probably Eastern Standard Time, Big Ten times. Yeah. Eight o'clock. So eight, they, they, yeah. Eight yeah, o'clock Eastern. Eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So that's a big move for you. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'm big. I'm, I'm really happy for them. I just uh, – maybe they'll be able to get their revenge against Ohio State at some point. 
uh, to recover from that crushing national championship defeat at the hands of the Buckeyes and Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield and a fourth string yeah. quarterback. Yeah, well, that that team was uh, Cardell Jones. That team was good. They yeah. beat my Alabama Crimson Tide that year, and they got really hot. Their defense played well. Urban Meyer is a great college football coach. Had the team ready to go in the postseason. So, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, one of the first topics I want to bring up today is, uh, you know, I want I want to bring up the fact of I watched on Peacock this week, okay, the Cody Rhodes documentary. That's interesting. That Peacock, that Peacock did. WWE didn't do it. It was a Peacock exclusive, mm. okay? Now, obviously, you can find it on WWE, but because, you know, WWE Network essentially is on Peacock. Uh, so what happened was I found it. People have been talking about it, and I, I really watched it. And let me tell you something. It's one of the best wrestling documentaries I've ever seen, number one. Not that I never did disrespected Cody Rhodes, but I was never that big of a Cody Rhodes fan. And watching it, I mean, not, not that I wasn't a fan of his work. I always thought his, his work was great. It's just there was nothing for me to really dive into until mm -hmm. he started doing this whole American Nightmare character once he went into the indies because, you know, he was – when he left WWE, I mean, Stardust, I – you could just tell on screen watching on Monday Night Raw and any pay-per-views as, as hard as he was trying to make it work, he hated it. Yeah. You, just, you could just tell that he hated the gimmick. Absolutely. So he goes into deep depth about that in this Peacock documentary and then gets to talk openly about AEW, the indie run, the song. And I loved this documentary so much that I think once I'm done with my sting – and some some of the uh, maneuvering around, I think I'm going to be an American Nightmare completist. Yeah, I I really really like uh, Cody Rhodes. I didn't really start paying attention to him until the whole e AEW revolution, and I'll never forget the first AEW episode when he uh, was practically mocking Triple H and taking the sledgehammer and smashing the King of Kings throne that uh, Triple H usually calls himself the King of Kings. And that's when I kind of started taking an interest in him um, and uh, kind of AEW as a whole. But I think when he left AEW, um, it really was, I really kind of lost interest in the show and kind of just followed him back over into WWE, um, especially his match at WrestleMania, which I really enjoyed. I thought, you know, you were a Cody Rhodes fan when you were younger when he was, you know, Cody Rhodes by himself, and then when he was Cody Rhodes with Legacy, which was uh, Randy Orton yeah. and yeah. Uh, Ted DiBiase. They were so, trying, to, trying to help him out along the way since he was, like, fresh, fresh new talent um, coming into the scene. And uh, I, I did like him a lot. I just don't know if the rest of the WWE universe liked what he was bringing to the table in the ring. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't great. Uh, I mean, I thought he was awesome. I remember the, the time he, uh, I remember the time that he 
him and Goldust won the tag team titles, and and their dad was out there. Rest in peace, Dusty Rhodes. Um, and I, that was a really cool. That was a really cool segment. A really cool time. I was in college still, so uh, I just I was never a big Cody Rhodes guy. And like again, it wasn't because he stunk or anything in the ring. Like I thought his promos were great. I remember when he gave the Hall of Fame speech, which is what they talk about in the documentary mm-hmm. um, at his dad's Hall of Fame induction. I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. And then they talk about his amateur wrestling. He was a two-time state champion in the state of Georgia, which I know it's Georgia and us Jersey wrestlers don't really respect Georgia that much, but he's still a state champion. Yeah. Uh, and he deserves all the credit in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool to see that. And then just his whole, you know, so they, I don't want to spoil this. So anybody that, that wants to, that's listening and wants to watch a documentary, highly recommend it. One of the things they talk about in the documentary, especially him, is the reason why he didn't have blonde hair. Because blonde hair was Dusty's thing. Blonde hair was also Goldust. His older brother, yeah. Goldust, right? Yeah. So he think that he didn't want to have that attachment. He didn't want to try to get over using that Rhodes look. So once he left WWE and was beginning to get really, really hot on the indies, you know, he wrestled Matt Riddle in a couple matches on the Indies, which were great. Uh, you know, and then he came to a point where he's like, it's time. And then he, you know, dyed his hair blonde, has the, the Rhodes look. Yeah. And did this whole American Nightmare thing when he went over to Japan. And the whole documentary is just freaking awesome. I mean, really, really recommend it. And I don't know Cody uh, on a personal level, but I know of him. He's, you know, good friends, uh, you know, or he was good friends with, you know, one of my friends, QT Marshall. I don't know if he is still anymore or not, um, but he, uh, you know, he's just, he found himself. He's over. I mean, he's more, he's probably the most over, I would have to say, professional wrestler on the planet right now, as far as a baby face is concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could probably press me on that, but yeah. It's just the documentary is phenomenal. I highly recommend it. Anybody wants to watch it, I, I think that you should. Or if you're just into documentaries and you don't really like pro wrestling, yeah, I would I would recommend it. I, I definitely I definitely think when it comes to Cody Rhodes as being the babyface, it's definitely uh, I think I think he brings a lot to the table for WWE right now. Um, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I am not a Roman Reigns fan. Um, I never really was. Um, I don't think that he really brings anything to the table that is super unique or anything like that. I think his character has been done several times over is rather dry for me. Um, but people love him. Uh, but I think for a while, WWE was kind of getting stale. I mean, I, how many, how many days did he Roman Reigns have the title for it was, you know, like it, 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 I think the American nightmare, uh, Cody Rose definitely, adds a huge um wrench in the chain for like that face character that the hero character that uh people have been looking for to dethrone roman reigns from the uh the top of the food chain in wwe yeah i you know i obviously everybody knows that he lost you know this this year um at WrestleMania and like the documentary kind of follows up until that point and even like the match, but, but did he lose? Know, did he lose? 
is the question. Like, I, mean, I, I think he's most over. I think he's more over now than he was before. Yeah. Uh, so he, we'll see. I mean, just got to follow the journey. Follow the journey. I'm excited. I definitely am excited for, for him and uh, to see what they do with him. The one thing I, 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 I kind of going off topic, I didn't like, and maybe you can explain it to me in an, at another time. I didn't, I don't, I thought they were just creating the world heavyweight title as like the only massive title, but now there's the world heavyweight title. And now Roman Reigns is the universal undisputed champion. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with that. That you can't. Very confusing. In my, in my opinion, I just you can't continue to create titles. I mean, I know it's sell merchandise, get more people involved with the product. I get all that, but stupid to me. To me, I think the undisputed. Dumb. The undisputed title is when they combine the WCW after the purchase with the WWF at the time. Yeah. When, when they combine those two titles, Chris Jericho is the first ever undisputed champion. He beat The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin the same night. Yeah. That was the unification. That is the WWE, or supposed to be the WWE, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. Now the, the, the universal thing confuses me. Like, I mean, I'm diehard pro wrestling. And I get confused, yeah. so I don't, I don't really understand what's going on. But well, I mean, it's almost like they want to have like two faces of the company, and it, I just don't see how it works. Um, unless you have some type of electrifying, you know, duo like Stone Cold and Stone Cold and The Rock back in the day, or you know, a duo like um, Batista and John Cena. You know, or even throwing Triple H into that mix, but you know, Triple H, I don't know how much wrestling he does anymore. I mean, I feel like he's kind of uh, a little old to keep going with 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 doing some crazy stuff. Um, you know, I'm I'm just I'm not really big because, like I said, Roman Reigns, in, in my opinion, is not nearly um, as popular as some as the guys as I just well, mentioned. Yeah, yeah but. The- that's different. You're, that's a different time, though. You're, you can't you can't say that because Roman Reigns is the best heel in the. I mean, his story has been phenomenal. So, no, I'm not. I mean, say, I'm not saying that he's a wanna, bad. I don't want to sit here. I don't uh, want to sit here and talk trash on people. I'm, I'm not just, saying he's a bad wrestler or anything. Um, I'm just saying yeah, you're, 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 you can't compare it though. It's just it's different. It's different times. Cable television is not the same. Yeah. Pop culture is not. Yeah. Pop culture is not yeah. the same. It's a good point. It's a good point. You just. You can't different you can't time. It. I, I I I thoroughly love. I think the Roman Reigns thing is phenomenal, and with Paul Heyman as his microphone too. I mean, it's it's great. The whole Bloodline storyline has been great. They've definitely gone PG, uh, and, and gone down that PG route compared to what what it used to be. Well, they kind of have to. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to sell toys and merchandise to a newer newer generation i mean you can't get away with some of the things that they said and we're not going to go into some of the things that they yeah. used to say because yeah. this is a pg program very, very very badly some of the things that john cena thugonomics era said was absolutely out of this world that's ruth, that's, ruth, that's ruthless aggression so, yeah i mean that was tough that was some of the things that he was saying was crazy but yeah i digress uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of my, my my thing for as far as as far as news is concerned today, but uh, you know I also thought that not only was the documentary great and the production was great, but all the people that were getting interviewed were great. So, uh, do you have anything? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of interest uh, of this week. 
a big, big, big announcement in uh, one of the card games that I play from the none other than the Bandai Namco. They have just recently announced that they have reinvented the Dragon Ball Super trading card game into something completely out of the blue. So earlier in 2023, it was confirmed that they were going to be putting out a digital edition of the Dragon Ball Super card game. And for those of you that tuned into the first episode, um, I Dragon Ball Z is my that's my that's my show. I, I have watched it. I don't know how many times through. And of course, I'm going to play the card game. I played I've, I've played the original card game. But the thing that really bothers me about this announcement is it leaves a lot of confusion amongst the fans and the player base in a wide variety of areas. The first thing is they have reinvented the title of the Dragon Ball Super Card Game into the Dragon Ball Super Card Game Masters, which is interesting. Um, don't really know why they went with that until they revealed the second portion of the announcement, which was fusion world now fusion world is a dual platform game where it's going to be sold physically and phys as physical cards and digitally online in an online client that you can download on your computer and definitely most likely a mobile application now this raises concerns for a lot of people you know because what they have said is that they're simplifying the game of dragon ball super now the game's been out for six years Okay, there it hasn't it did not fall victim to the two year curse of the trading card game realm. Supposedly, not supposedly, it does exist. It is a thing where the trading card game realm, um, if it doesn't get past two years, most likely it's going to fail. But Dragon Ball Super with Bandai was their first attempt at bringing another, not their first attempt, but another another first attempt of at getting back into the trading card game realm. And Dragon Ball Super is a widely played game across the entire world, and I love it. But it raises some concerns for me. I think because of the success of the One Piece trading card game and the simplicity of the game and, and also Digimon being so simple, it raises concerns that are they reinventing the game to push out the old complex Dragon Ball Super Masters and putting in the simple game of Dragon Ball Super uh, Fusion World? Or are they going to go the Konami route in which Konami basically released Dual Links and Speed Duels to simplify everything for players to get into the Yu-Gi-Oh! trading card game and keep the physical game, the physical complex Super Dragon Ball Super Masters, and then release a, another digital client for that down the road. And then, and then this is just the testing ground for their new simplistic game, so to speak. It does worry me. Because I have invested a lot of money into this game, and I know a lot of other players have, not, not nearly as much as some, but a lot of players have serious money cards in this game, and there's prize cards that are up anywhere between three and four thousand dollars, two thousand dollars on a, on a, uh, you know, and that's not a lie, you know. These gold yeah. rares and these god rares and these and these and these highly decorated foils, you know are selling on the market in TCG player and on eBay for thousands of dollars. And if Bandai pulls the plug on this game, it's going to be really heartbreaking for not just me, but a lot of other uh, players who invested their time and money into this game. Because in my opinion, it's one of the better card games on the market right now, in my opinion. And it raises a lot of questions. Are they going to get rid of the OG Dragon Ball Super card game and that they're calling Masters now? to replace with this simple fusion world 
or are they going to continue to release both games for forever? You know, that's the question. And I hope that they're not going to go, okay, well, here's what's happening. More people are buying the simple version, so we're just going to support that. And they're going, we're going to pull the plug on everything that everyone else has been investing their money in for six years. That's going to not just make me upset, but it's going to make a lot of people upset because that's thousands of dollars of collection and collecting that has been going on for six years of one of the most famous animes of all time, one of the the most famous anime universes of all time. And it would be really, really awful to see them pull the plug on Dragon Ball Super and just try and create this simplistic game out of nowhere just to try and sell more cards and more merchandise and make more money like One Piece is because it's simplified. I mean, I feel like the more complex a game is, you know, the more um, opportunity you have to kind of, you know, play with new mechanics and add new mechanics and make the game fresh, you know. It's just something that was bothering me all, all since the announcement. The announcement was like, I think, either yesterday or, or two days ago. Um, and um, it's definitely definitely an interesting thing to look at. Um, I do that. I'm just really concerned for the future of the game and hope hope that they don't pull the plug on a game that I really know and love. Yeah, well, that that's kind of the issue that you're going to go through especially when it comes to collecting. I mean, how many toy lines have been canceled over the years when you're heavily invested? You know, I was just talking to you in the pre-production meeting about Super 7. Super 7, which is, uh, you know, a company that, that does really great toys. They just canceled recently that they're no longer continuing their Mighty Morphin Power Rangers line. That's frustrating. You know, now, th- now, thankfully, I have everything pre-ordered so like they're not it's already in production but they're not they're not going any further with what they have already have put out to the public so i got all the original rangers which is the only rangers that i collect so i have the bandai have the bandai rangers i have the hasbro um lightning collection rangers i have both of the bandai rangers but you know that's something that you're going to run into Especially when you're in collecting, you're going to buy things, things are going to get canceled, you're going to offload different collections. So, and that's going to be another, you know, discussion later in this, in this show. So I understand the frustration. It's just frustrating because there's so many games that I have, I've I've played, and you know, as well as anyone, the amount of card games that I've invested in and how many have come and gone. Um, And when you, when you finally find like one of those games that you just, and like, listen, I still play, I play one piece, I play Digimon. Um, too and and i do like the and dragon ball super right there with it um but i i do lean a little more toward the dragon ball super game just because it is dragon ball you know dragon ball in my opinion is my i think it's the best anime that ever existed in my opinion now a lot of people will probably give me crap for that because you know there's the attack on titan fans of the world the the demon slayer fans of the world one piece and my hero academia fans but um yeah it's just disappointing Disappointing, man. The, the One Piece fans are not going to like that. No, that, that no, they, sure. they, they will, they will actually call me a traitor because since I was just talking about so highly of the One Piece trading card game last episode, and now I'm praising Dragon Ball Super. But uh, I, I got to be honest with you, I, I love, I love both of them. I really do. Um, but uh, I mean, I really do enjoy playing both. And um, 
there is a, it would be cool to see them if they actually add them into their new anime uh, game that's coming out called Union Arena, where there's just a bunch of anime characters from a wide variety of shows battling each other. So something something that that would be pretty cool to see, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. So moving on, we so wanted to talk about some of the topics in which we are inspired to start this podcast. Now, we have lived through the generation of the pre-podcast, the podcast boom, and currently it feels like everyone's got a podcast. Everybody's having conversations about topics. Everybody is putting up YouTube streams, um, you know, having running a Twitch. So everybody, it just feels like anybody that you follow or anybody that you know um, has some sort of platform in which they are discussing topics. And it just so happens that podcast is one of the easiest forms in which to discuss information and getting out to the general public. Yeah. So Couple of the, couple of the people I'd like to shout out and thank for the inspiration to get this thing started is number one would be Joe Rogan podcast. Been listening to Joe Rogan podcast since probably 2014, 2015. Um, obviously, Joe Rogan has been commentating the UFC since the early days of the you know in the 90s, and you know he's been great. He's been a really great person for the podcast scene. You also. If we're going to stick with the professional wrestling realm, you have Stone Cold and, you know, Chris Jericho podcasts, which were great. Um, but I would say that one of the big inspirations is the major wrestling figure podcast. Okay. Brian Myers and Matt Cardona and Mark Sterling, they have put out a great product. And I wasn't there for the beginning of it, but I've been there since the pandemic 2020 listening to their content. And it has been phenomenal. Okay. And it gets you, it gets those creative juices flowing thinking that you want to discuss, you know, your topics that you love and have, you know, a platform to do so and maybe attract other people that have the same and nor, you know, or similar, you know, interests to have those discussions with you, create a, a small community. If you subscribe, for example, to the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, they have different tiers on their Patreon in which you can subscribe for. And each subscription has its, you know, benefits. So, I mean, whether – I don't want to go and put out too much of their information out there, but I'm, I'm one of the, you know, members that has almost everything. Uh, not Actually, I do have everything. I'm, a, I'm an ultimate member. And, you know, you get, a, get to be a part of the Facebook group. The Facebook group has almost 2,000 members in it, and there's topics going up every day, discussions, and – you know, it's a great community to be a part of. And then, you know, Kyle Peterson on YouTube. I mean, one of the best when it comes to content for toys out there. <coughs> uh, Kyle Peterson is the man. And you have, like, guys like Fig Heel, which is pretty good, too. But, uh, you know, Kyle Peterson has been phenomenal and in a large inspiration to getting this started on my end. So those guys, major, major shout-outs for that. They are phenomenal you know uh content creators i haven't met them so yeah uh, you know i i i have uh, a few that i definitely wanted to shout out um myself um i remember when i was when i was back playing Yu-Gi-Oh in college i really really uh came into contact with a lot of youtubers called yugi tubers that were you know team samurai x1 and simo 
uh, just to to name a, a couple right there. They're kind of like the biggest, some two of the biggest uh, uh, YouTubers on YouTube. And um, at first, I wanted to create a YouTube channel because of them. And then I found, you know, Red Zone Rogue was on there, Team Covenant on there. And then, of course, um, DM Armada was on there as well. Um, these guys are all really um, have surrounded themselves in the tabletop games uh, industry and table and trading card game industry. And uh, I knew I wanted to make some type of content. Um, and, and I'm definitely not a guru or or have any knowledge of video editing. And then um, I don't know. I can't remember who actually mentioned it. I think it was probably you that said, hey, well, just do a podcast instead of uh, a YouTube channel. And I said, huh. I never even thought about that. How about that? Which was a great idea because, you know, I think, yes, a podcast has a lot to do with video editing and uploading and stuff like that. Um, but you don't if, you, if you're not recording, you know, via camera, then you don't really have to worry about video editing. But um, I, di- I did get a, a, a see a tip on a YouTube channel about creating a podcast that uh, recording the actual podcast like we're doing ourselves and uploading it to youtube is always a plus just to get more views you know yeah and i think that eventually if this continues to grow i think we'll eventually end up on patreon and and youtube and you know hopefully the community grows get the get the name out there get the word out there but uh you know as for now you know we're gonna put down the back burner both very busy have a lot of things going on not that other people don't, but we're not relying on this to pay our bills. We have other yeah. things that pay our bills. Yeah. This is something that's supposed to be fun. I don't want it to be dreadful or resentful. And so that's kind of where we are leaning towards and where we are at this particular juncture. Yeah. So, um, and, and who knows? It could, yeah. it could blow up into something, you know, like I've had dreams of, you know, it would be awesome to have a Bastion Bros card sleeve one day or a Bastion Bros play mat one day, but, uh, that's not happening tomorrow or next week anytime soon. So right now, no, this is kind of just me and my my brother just uh, talking about what we were raised on in 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 our life when it came to having fun as kids and the nostalgia that we uh, that we talk about with uh, all of our hobbies and our co- and and what we collect. I think eventually the YouTube channel is going to have to you know occur as well as Patreon. But as yeah. of right now, just kind of get your feet wet, get get moving. And then figure it out once we kind of have our lives, you know, going in the correct direction that yeah. we that we want them in. Not that they're not right now, but there's just yeah. a lot going on. There is. So, yeah. Um, had two weddings things, this summer. So, yeah, we have another one coming up. Yep, another uh, one coming up. I just got married myself, and then our sister's getting married again too. So we've been really busy this year. So she's not. She, no, hold on, hold on. She's not getting married again, people. She wasn't married previously. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I meant to say that we're having another wedding again. Like I was the first wedding, and then we're having another wedding. That's okay. Again, so I had a clarif- clarification on that. And my wife says I don't really communicate well, so I guess I do have to work. On that, that. That's not. That's not communication skills. That's just. Uh, yeah, correct you know all right formation moving on i'll i can all do right. without the insults from my older brother i did i did not insult you i'm just insulting my intelligence all right so here we go i'm not insulting your intelligence i never said anything it's about awful. how stupid awful so you guys I, have to understand something you, you guys have to understand something we're five years apart and this has been i've been dealing with this since i could i could walk he's been giving me a gore 
a DDT, a clothesline ever since I could first stand and nothing has changed. I'm 28. You know, he is, what are you, 33? You know, I, I, every single time I say hi to him, I, I try to give him a hug. He just punches me or clotheslines me as per usual. It's just something I have to deal with all, all the time. It's just tough love. He calls it, but I just, I think he, I think it just comes down to, he needs to be the big brother all the time. Well, yes, actually, that's <laughs> why you call it big brother. So. All right, moving on. Next thing. So I brought this up in episode one. You know what? No, I'm going to talk. Let's talk about collections real quick. What kind of collections? What kind of collections? No, just 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 the collection and the whole collecting uh, atmosphere and and what you do as a collector. What we do as collectors. Okay, now I was a collector my whole life, and then uh, what happened is I had to try out with WWE. My my dream was to be in WWE. Finally, got a tryout, and it didn't work out. So. really offloaded, unloaded a lot of my stuff, especially when it came to pro wrestling. I'm sick of it, hated it uh, for a couple of years, and then eventually came back. And then during the pandemic, I got really itchy for figures. And then I just started buying everything uh, and really loaded up. Excuse me. Excuse me. Really loaded up on a bunch of wrestling Star Wars, Power Rangers, some Marvel stuff. I mean, you name it, I was probably getting it. So what I've come to learn, and as a collector, I've been collecting since we were, since you know I was a kid, is between sports memorabilia and toys. I think it's hard for some collectors out there to really stick to one thing, and I've been a victim of it too, uh, and stick to your niches. Or, or what you really like. Everybody's looking for the next holy grail of figures or sports memorabilia. Everybody wants that Michael Jordan rookie card, right? Everybody wants, you know, that uh, Hulk Hogan men on card, LJN, you know, no creases and an autograph. Great. Everybody. Great. Yeah, like every, everybody wants this, like this white whale of a collector's piece. So people and myself included jumped on a lot of things and a lot of stuff that we didn't really need. Yeah. Um, So, you know, as far as a collector and collecting it goes, I wanted to buy everything. Mm -hmm. And if you just look at San Diego comic-con, okay. And say you're a fan of Ninja Turtles or you're a fan of Marvel movies and we'll just say the X-Men and you're a fan of pro wrestling and you go out to San Diego Comic-Con, you're like, I need all of this and spend copious amounts of money on stuff that you don't necessarily really need unless, you know, I mean, let's face it. We don't need collections. We love collections. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. what we like. You don't need okay? any of it. <laughs> you, Trust you me. Need- you don't need any of it. You want it. You don't it. need it, but you want it, okay? And you should treat yourself. Everybody works hard for the most part. Treat you yourself. work hard, you, you yeah. You deserve you deserve to treat yourself, okay? Not if it's going to put you in a financial peril, but you deserve to treat yourself. Yeah, there's but a there's I, a there's... I just Sorry, go ahead. I just no, I just have seen so many people uh 
buying just everything and then offloading it. And then when the market's down, like it is right now, let's face it, the economy is bad. A lot of people are struggling financially. So if you're selling off collections, you're selling it off to, you know, 75% or 50% of what it's worth just to get it out the door because it's taking up unnecessary real estate. You know, you're, you're, you're hurting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've had to, to figure out is, you know, I've been recently selling off a lot of the stuff that I collected during the pandemic that I don't really want. Okay. And I've really made a deal with myself. I'm only collecting the things that I truly, truly value and want. And when I started my collection, getting back into the collecting scene, I wanted to build and rebuild my complete sting collection. As far as a figure is concerned, a professional wrestling figure, the two favorites of mine will forever be Sting and the Ultimate Warrior as far as toyetic, you know, is concerned, being toyetic. And if those of you that don't know what that term is, toyetic, means, uh, you know, pleasing, you know, if, uh, if you're visually pleasing. So anybody with face paint, okay, Sting has face paint, a bunch of colors, you know, in the early Sting days, and then he does the Crow Sting, and then he does Wolfpack, Red and Black Sting. So anything that has a combination of face paint, colors, they're going to sell. They're going to uh, appeal to uh, an audience, right? So Sting and the Ultimate Warrior, I mean, two guys, face paint, lots of colors, originally tag team partners as the Blade Runners back in the 80s. You know, those guys, or, or Kane with the mask, uh, Undertaker with all of his outfits, you know, these guys are very, Macho Man Randy Savage, probably the most yeah. toyetic toy of, of all time. Shawn Michaels, okay, with, probably. Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels is toyetic, but, I mean, if you're talking about guys that just have looks that pop, it's really Warrior, Sting, Macho Man, uh, and, 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 and a bunch of others. But for me, those would be the top three. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you can only collect so many Austin 316 t-shirts. Yeah, okay? yeah. And he's old, and he I mean, and he, he wears the same black vest to the ring. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and so so it, it's tough. It's it's really tough. So when I got back into collecting, I, I made a deal with myself saying I'm going to focus on Sting, which I've done a great job on. And like I've talked in previous episode one, I'm almost done with a complete collection of the man they call Sting, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just find your little niche, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, find what you like. I will never be a completist when it comes to Darth Vader, okay? Darth Vader in Star Wars is my favorite character. It's my favorite movie character of all time, uh, fantasy character. It's Darth Vader. But it would be financially impossible yeah. Yeah. to be a, co a, a complete collector of Vader. Now, you could do Vader Hasbro figures or vader original series figures but when i when i'm a completist i want it all i want yeah. everything yeah i want to have every single thing that was produced okay and you have to have that conversation with yourself stop chasing that white whale you're not going to find it okay i mean for example san diego comic-con we talked about it last week i think there was nine hulk hogan's released at san diego comic-con across a variety of of series, okay, what you know the the three pack ultimate, the four pack then now forever Hulk Hogan with the green strap. Uh, you have the Hulk Hogan superstars that has a chase figure. Then you have the Legends Hulk Hogan that has a chase. I mean, 
it's crazy. Okay, so to try to collect all of that, I mean, Kyle Peterson is a completist when it comes to the Mattel line between basics and uh, elites and ultimates. And you remember watching his video during during the pandemic? We were oh, yeah. our eyes were glued to the television. I couldn't even believe it. Couldn't believe and it. His co- his collection, believe it or not, has grown exponentially. He releases a video every year since then, uh, showing the new improvements of his collection. Yeah. So I like I don't understand now. He's one of those guys like I talked about that buys things and will flip them. He'll he'll unload collections, but. You know, that's kind of the name of the game now is you buy things that are hot at the time that you really like. And then you, and then you, you, you sell, you sell, 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 sell. Yeah, because there's there's always a community of somebody that wants something that you no longer want. Yeah. So that's kind of my spiel when it comes to collecting. Yeah. I, th- I think when it comes to collecting, the best advice I could give is there's a difference between collecting and an addiction. Um, because I've seen guys, especially when it comes to trading card games and just toys in general, um, that they will literally run out of money in their bank account because they order a case of booster boxes of of a new set of whatever game it is, or they just bought like a brand new anniversary edition of a specific toy line that they just got into. Um, and, and I, I find myself being a, a, a little selfish sometimes where I spend a little too much money from month to month. Um, but now I've actually done a pretty good job. Um, I'm allowed a hundred dollars a month to spend on whatever card game I want to buy from. Cause I play three. I play and they're all Bandai games. I play Digimon Dragon Ball super card game, which I should say Dragon Ball super masters. And then the one piece card game. So I just bought One Piece this month. So next month, I'll probably buy Dragon Ball or One Piece. And if I want to buy something that goes over my budget, I won't buy anything that month. I will save the $100, and then I'll have $200 to play with the following month. So you you got to be smart when it comes to collecting because let's face it. I mean, whether you're collecting figure lines or trading cards, if there's something that you really want, okay, there's there's a lot of things that are really expensive out there. I mean, it's there's no this is this is the the po- the Pokemon trading card game collecting market is if that's not self evident of how expensive things can can get on a on a tiny piece of cardboard, then I don't know what else to tell you because there are Charizards, not even first edition, that are selling for thousands of dollars that are graded at seven and eight. They're not even a perfect grade at ten, and there's packs first edition packs that you with no guarantee from Pokemon first edition they're selling for $500 now you have to be careful there because there are scalpers and what they'll do is they yeah, will there's scalp there's scalpers with everything there's yeah. scalpers when it comes to toys i mean the ultimate edition new Eddie Guerrero which sells for retail around 32 or 35 bucks people are buying it and selling it for 100 because the distribution's been so bad yeah yeah well, and, and, and that's the, that's the frustrating thing that you're going to have to run into. And you have to, you have to be careful when it comes to this. So like when, it, when I, when I buy my cards, 
I go through TCG Player. Um, I trust TCG Player, uh, especially TCG Player Direct, which you'll get right from the store. But there are some guys out there that are on TCG Player that because they do different stores and, and uh, all over the world that you can buy from, and they can they'll they'll try and uh, screw you over sometimes, and they'll send you sometimes they'll send you fake cards in the mail, and this happens on eBay too. They'll send you fake packs. Uh, I remember one thing that happened to a special edition of Magic: The Gathering that was it was uh that came out. I think it was a uh, Magic: The Gathering Double Masters. They were selling these boxes, and they were um they, I think he got like um a pack in one or two packs in one, and um they were selling for a hundred bucks. Okay, and you got like crazy reprints, like Jace the Mind Sculptor or Mana Crypt was in this thing, and these are some serious money cards for Commander. Like that's one of the most famous uh, Magic: The Gathering formats, if not the most famous, in my opinion, that you can play right now, aside from modern. But what people were doing is they were taking the cards out and putting fake cards in, sometimes just regular basic lands, which are worth nothing, uh, depending on the basic land, and they were resealing it because Wizards of the Coast, they you what they usually do when they put their when they seal their products, they have they when they shrink wrap their products, it has the Wizards of the Coast uh, symbol all over the shrink wrap. They didn't do that for this product. So people were buying it and they people were reopening it, take the cards out and they would super glue it shut and then shrink wrap it themselves because the Wizards of the Coast never put the uh, their logo on. So you got to be careful when you're buying, especially sealed product and uh, and and just for any product, really. I mean, it, you, you're going to run into people who are going to try and take your money and run home. Um, but that's the risk you take with this. Uh, with this hobby of of getting into collecting and whatever you decide to collect, it doesn't have to be trading cards. It doesn't have to be uh, action figures or wrestling figures. It could be comic books. You know, I I, I thought it was crazy. You can actually get comic books graded, yeah, which is insane. You know, I, I and listen, I I tried that a while ago, uh, and the best advice I actually got from my brother Billy, uh, he told me, um, Corey. I've never really seen you read a comic book. You just researched the hero on a wiki site. And he was right. I'd never really read any comic books. I know a lot of knowledge about some of the superheroes just because people will read these comic books and then they will actually write about like whatever that is that they're that these different heroes have gone through in their lives in the stories on a wiki page. And he said, stick to what you know. So what I know and what I've always known is trading card games you know i dabbled in warhammer for a while and it was fun but for some reason and my brother always called me stupid for this i would walk away from the trading card game and i would go to warhammer or infinity or something like that and i'd play that for a while and waste my money on that stuff and then i'd come back to the trading card game uh area three months later and then i go back to warhammer and then i come back to the trading card but lately I have not touched any of my Warhammer stuff. I haven't touched my Warhammer stuff in about probably a year. And yeah. um, my brother was right. You know, that was the best advice he could have gave me when it came to collecting. Stick to what you know. I remember one time he actually, he actually smacked me because I got on like this Beyblade train trying to collect these Beyblades. And it was the stupidest thing that I could have done. Um, Waste was- of... Time. Waste of time, waste of money. Because I've never played. I played Beyblades when I was like seven or eight years old, and uh, I was like, "Oh, but they're really cool toys." He's like, "Corey, just collect your cards. That's what you know and love." And that's basically the best advice I ever got. Know what you like, stick to what you like, 
And trust me, if you if you collect what you know, it, it's going to be a rewarding experience, especially um, for especially if it's something that you grew up doing as a kid. I, the first thing I remember whenever I when I felt my when I held my first trading card it was actually a Pokemon card called Pinsir. Um, I I loved that card. I have no idea where it is though. I think it's at in in uh, Dad's computer room in our Dad's computer room. Uh, I have no idea. It might be. I, I don't know. Uh, then I got into Yu-Gi-Oh, got into Magic, got into the old Dragon Ball uh, score uh, trading card game and Chaotic and Duel Masters. Like my life, uh, my life, my life hobby has always been trading card games. And uh, I'm glad that I went back to it and got away from wasting thousands of dollars on plastic Warhammer models that are just going to be collecting dust for however long it takes me to sell the damn things. But um it was fun. Warhammer was fun. I wish they had a card game. They have a digital card game coming out, which is nice. They already have one right now. It's called Horus Heresy, which is really good. And they have Warp Forge coming out. It's the, practically the same game. Uh, but it's online. I prefer the physical game um, and the physical cards. Uh, they have value, and it, and it does suck if the game gets discontinued. I can still play it if it gets discontinued. But you you pray for new content, and that's the whole point. Um, but um, with Bandai releasing three really, really good trading card games, um, I'm I'm excited, and the trading card game market has never been bigger, except for when the flood hit back in the early 2000s. But there's a trade. There has been I don't know how many trading card games that have been released this year. Lorcana, Disney trading card game that just got big. So if you're big into Disney and you like trading card games, that's something you guys could get into collecting. Is Lorcana? It's a Disney. It's literally a Disney trading card game. Um, there's a, another trading card game that just came out called Grand Archive. I highly recommend it. It's a very good game, anime style kind of reminiscent of the um, old World of Warcraft trading card game, um, but a lot of different unique mechanics that are really, really uh, cool and uh, interactive that I think a lot of people would be interested in. Um, and if you are like me and you're an anime fan, uh, definitely check out the Bandai games with uh, One Piece and Dragon Ball Super Masters, since uh, Fusion World is not out yet, and of course uh, Digimon as well. And uh, I, I trust uh, that you guys will not be disappointed if you get involved with any of those trading card games if you're looking for one. Um, cool. All right. Let's move on to the next segment. We are going to go into uh, weekly purchases. What came Woo-hoo! through the door? Woo-hoo! What did you get? Did you, did you make any trades? What you get through the door? I'm, I'm uh, so excited for this. I am so excited for this. So for my weekly purchases, I have... The second installment that I got for a cheap steal of a price. And the sender put it in a protective case. Another one of 5,000 sting. Okay, it's the chase sting! Yep, the one of 5,000 chase sting by Jazzwares, uh, which is great. So now I have two of them to match the two one of 1,000 stings I have from the San Diego Comic-Con 2023. That was a great purchase. The next thing I have, give me one second. I feel like, I feel like Sting as a character. Sting, Sting, Sting as a character it was so cool. I don't really know much about Sting, but I mean, when you see him just come from the, from the, from the top of the arena out of nowhere or after the lights go black, yeah. I mean, it's just, that, that that's, that's awesome. That's so cool. I got an original eight by ten signed Ooh. of the, ah. the his, California. His hair was thing. his hair was blonde. 
when he was California surfer sting, Holy. his hair was dyed blonde. That's pretty yes. dope. That's pretty dope. So that's an original, uh, you know, photoshot eight by ten signed by Sting, which is great. Um, I also got in this week the I'm not gonna pull them up because I have them on display already. The original Toy Biz Evolution of Sting loose for another steel price. It's got three Surfer Stings, three Crow Stings, and one Wolf Pack is one of the Crow Stings. Uh, from Toy Biz in 1999 or 2000. I can't remember the, the year that it came out. Uh, that, Hold on, let me, let, me, let me check that for you. That Sting, uh, that Sting action figure is really, uh, it's, it's, a re- it's really clean. I really like that one. That's really yeah, nice. The, the evolution of Sting was a, uh, it was a, a limited, 2001, wow, I was off by two years. So 2001 WCW evolution of Sting, was released in 2001 the final year of the wcw company um very rare piece it's tough to find uh you know unsigned you can probably find it between anywhere for 150 to if it's really really in great condition to 300 dollars if sting signs it secondary market upward of 600 to 700 dollars on the uh, uh evolution of sting so um, yeah, pretty cool. So yeah, those are really you know, cool. those are my my weekly purchases. I sent a lot out the door. Um, you know, just trying to get closer and closer to finishing this this uh, Sting. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that, I I really like Sting. Um, just as a oh, like a, oh hold on, I real quick. Sorry, a couple. No, no, no. One of the uh, I found found a couple cards too that somebody sold me for less than five bucks for the total lot. Three Sting cards, one Sting card from WCW, uh, Wolfpack Sting. Wrestling Goldberg, huh? Yeah. Goldberg. Uh, TNA Sting and another TNA Sting putting Mick Foley in the Scorpion Deathlock. Um, Yeah, that's practically a sharpshooter. Oh, no, it is a sharpshooter. (laughs) It's practically a sharpshooter. It's a sharpshooter. sharpshooter, We we won't talk about that. Sorry, Sting. I apologize. It is the sharpshooter, but I don't care. It's Sting. It's the Sting. Uh, no, it's so a, that, when Sting does it, it's, when Sting does it, it's the Scorpion Deathlock. Yeah. So big week for Sting here. Big week for Sting. Big week for Sting. And I'm probably going to get a couple more things through the door, but uh, those are my weekly purchases. Very nice. Very nice. Um, my weekly purchases are actually in the Dragon Ball Super Card game this time around. I know last time I did uh, One Piece. But this time it's Dragon Ball. Um, my favorite movie villain um, is actually uh, I, I got I, I don't know if I'll get a lot of hate for this, but uh, um, some of my some of my buddies they 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 disapprove uh, of this villain, and that is I purchased a new deck, uh, which is the Android Thirteen um, Terror's Inception. He is uh, my favorite uh, villain. Um, from the Dragon Ball Z era, he is just a really, really awesome uh, character as a whole, and uh, one of the best cards in the deck that I'm super stoked to have is um, playing four of the Android 13 uh, Total Annihilator, and this, guys, is what I'm talking about when it comes to the Dragon Ball Super uh, card game. The foiling is just so well done. If you can kind of see it right there, it's just so nice. It's so clean. 
it's shiny they really really make it work and like the art just fills up the card not like the single box crap that they put in on your magic cards um but the deck plays very awesome it's a, a highly aggressive deck it is a red deck um you do want to get out your new uh z um you want to get out your 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 z awakened uh android 13 nightmare uh combination that's the big boss leader that you want to get out from your z deck um really really strong card i was uh, just solitaring it the other day and playing it uh just to like figure out some combos and i took it online on a, via webcam with a couple guys on discord and we did a round robin of five of us and i went five and oh uh, with this deck um, granted they were playing some decks that were um, not nearly as um, potent as some of the higher meta stuff was but it was still nonetheless victories for me and I was very pleased with how the deck performed um, the best card in the deck is this one right here Android 13 uninvited guest very powerful card here uh, just kind of gets your levels gets your uh, seven cost uh, beaters out really quick right away and uh, I'm really excited to have this deck. I definitely am going to be playing it in an online tournament at some point uh, soon. And I'm also going to be taking it to a tournament at some point uh, in the year. Uh, eventually, hopefully nothing happens to the cards in it. But Android 13 is not really uh, considered meta uh, per se right now. But um, he's a solid choice in my opinion. Um, I definitely have stolen some games from guys online. Uh, definitely weren't as seasoned players as some of the ones I've played in the past. Um, but uh, a win's a win, so I'm going to take it, and I'm really excited that I per picked this guy up. Uh, and uh, if you guys haven't seen the Android 13 Dragon Ball Z movie, I highly recommend it. It is awesome. Um, the It is the features, uh, it features Android 13, 14, and 15. And uh, I feel like the Androids kind of get a little hate um, in, in, the, uh, in the anime as a whole, uh, especially because uh, Android 17 was uh such a um i can't really say what he really was uh but he wasn't very nice we'll put it that way and kind of annoying uh to be honest with you but android 13 in my opinion is one of the best villains in the uh, especially amongst the movies i love android 13 definitely my favorite um if i could have my way i would have picked up a brawly deck but brawly is soaring in price right now because of the promo that you can get at gen con right now um, people are just buying out Brawly stuff. One of the starter decks that he was that you could get him in is like eighty bucks right now online, and probably eighty bucks in uh, in a game store if they still have it and they're still selling it. But uh, that is my weekly purchase this week: a Red Android Thirteen uh, Terra's Inception Dragon Ball Super Masters deck. Very cool. Very very cool. Uh, you know, one of the things about card collecting is is a lot of people, they, they get bored with it or they say it's childish, but, you know, it's pretty cool, uh, especially if you get into it uh, when yeah. it comes to trading card games. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that, that's really cool. But one of the topics I wanted to ta touch on that we discussed last week is the reinvigoration of X-Men 97, the series that's coming to Disney+. Plus. So na, one of the na, things na, I want... Na, na. Yeah. So... As I said last week, I thought one of the greatest characters and one of my favorite characters is Cyclops. I love Cyclops. Why do you so like Cyclops some... so much? I'm curious. I went through it last week if you were paying attention. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Scott Summers, phenomenal. Love the story behind him. 
love the – I mean, just so toyetic. Really just pops off the screen. And like I said, everybody's a big Wolverine guy. Yeah. A lot of the kids yeah. love Wolverine with the big yellow, uh, you know, suit. But and people love Gambit with the red hair and the cards. But I've always loved Cyclops as one of the heroes. And I love the the story of Magneto, one of the best anti-heroes, which we will have that discussion a, another day. But the Hasbro line. Uh, for for the X Men ninety seven, the images for these figures has got me so itchy. Now I am not going to be a completist by any means. No, that's a lot. But I will be getting the Magneto from this line, and I am going to be getting Cyclops from this line because they are just too sweet yeah yeah i i definitely am a big fan of what Mar- some of the marvel stuff that has been coming out though they do have a trading card game online called marvel snap um but i wish versus system came back as a trading card game because that had some of the coolest cards and, and card mechanics and superheroes when they especially when they crossed over marvel versus dc with dc stuff which is really cool, and some of the Cyclops card art in in that game was fantastic, and just the X X Men in general. X Men in general is has some awesome stuff. Yeah, the Cy- Cyclops Cyclops himself is just is just phenomenal. You know, I just I love the Cyclops story. I love the I love the story about Magneto. I think maybe we'll do a, an episode. Maybe we'll do an episode where we just talk about the X-Men series yeah. and, the, and the toy lines, but we'll, 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 we'll talk about that later on the line. So yeah, that's one, one follow-up that I wanted to have this week is looking at those images for those, you know, for that line, really excited to, to get it out. And, uh, I, I just really, really want to have that figure in hand. Um, extremely excited for it. So yeah, the X-Men 97 series, can't wait to watch the television show. On, I, I'm not a real big person on Disney Plus when it comes to new material, but I will be watching this. Yeah, they um, probably got some cool statues too that you could get for Cyclops. I'm sure, like collectors' statues, kind of similar to like the ones that you have with uh, the white or the white or not the white uh, the Green Ranger, like similar to that style. Yeah, the GameStop exclusive. Yeah. I, I would like a hot toy. I might. Hot toys are extremely expensive, but I would. I would get a hot toy if I had the real estate yeah. of of Cyclops yeah. from the X Men ninety seven series. Is that like the like and the I really would, big ones? The like the, the ones. Uh, the, so the one that I have for uh, the Mandalorian. Okay, all right. I because I'm I'm in the market for a Darth Vader hot toy. I need to get one of those. Yeah, obviously Vader. I would get I would get a hot toy Cyclops, and I would get a hot toy Magneto. Would you get a hot toy of? Goku. No. No? No Goku for you? No. For me, for me, when it comes to Dragon Ball Z, and like I said, I don't want to talk about too much content on here because these could be turned in, into episodes where we just have a sole conversation based around that show. But for me, when it comes to Dragon Ball Z, I love the original Dragon Ball Z from when I was a kid. Um, I watched all the way up to when Goku reaches super saiyan three so the the boo the boo saga 
Yeah. And then after that, I was kind of, I was just kind of out of it. I wasn't too much into it. And then they do this new series where he's a God now. And, you know, I just started Dragon Ball Super. It it got too much with the dying and the reincarnating. That's what makes him so cool. That's what makes him awesome. That's just for me. it, It just, it's not, it's not. Not enough meat on the bone there for me, but I do love Goku. I love watching Goku. So some of the episodes, like when he first reaches Kamehameha, fighting Vegeta, like that's a great thing. When he first fights the, when he you know comes across the first Saiyan and fights him, I love the whole Goku story. But up after that point, now, so I'm not, I don't love Dragon Ball Z enough to collect the figures. I love it so much that I would definitely get a Goku hot toy. There's actually a couple anime stores that sell those anime statues on the boardwalk, which is pretty. Yeah, cool. no, they're yeah, they're pretty cool. Wildwood in Wildwood, they're expensive though, really yeah, expensive. I'm not extremely paying, expensive. Not paying that money right now. Extremely expensive. So last week we did a top five. Okay, do you remember top, what the top five was? Top, top, top five favorite shows of all time. Favorite shows. It wasn't all time. It was just of the 90s when we were kids. Of the 90s, not of all time. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do your research, pal. I'm just here. I'm just here. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just so, here for the ride. The top five for today. Ooh, what is it? Drum roll, please. No, no drum roll. No, we're not. This is not National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I'll do it. The anyway. top five. Go ahead. The top five for today. Your top five X-Men characters. Ooh, okay. I got that. That's pretty dope. I could do that. I'm a, I'm a, I, like I said, I'm, I'm really, I, I do like X-Men a lot. I, I, I do. Um, I, I think one of the coolest things about X-Men is just how OP some of the um some some of the uh characters are <laughs> um she's not she's definitely not in my top five but Jean gray as the dark phoenix was um unbelievable i mean just in terms of like power level um and uh i i actually liked her in the film the the dark phoenix film i liked i liked the the character uh her name escapes me um but she played sansa stark in the uh, Game of Thrones film, and uh, I thought she did a great yeah. job. I thought she did, I, and I honestly like from First Class to Days of Future Past to uh, Apocalypse, and all the way to um, Dark Phoenix. I thought they were great X Men films. They got all, apparently after after Days of Future Past, a lot of people didn't really like Apocalypse, and a lot of people didn't really like um, Dark Phoenix. And I thought they were phenomenal. That's just my opinion, though. That's five. Gone. No, she's not in my top five. But then, what did you talk about? I just said she was. I was talking about how, like, how OP some of the characters are. Um, I, I, well, that's not the segment. The segment's top five, pal. Well, I am doing the segment. I was just thinking it was something that a thought that came right to my head. So I apologize. You're not getting paid paid to think. You're getting paid to talk. Let's go. I, I am. I, I'm very sorry. Okay, so so the first X Men character that comes to mind is uh, for me is uh, Wolverine, 
I really liked Wolverine a lot ever since um, I first watched the I, I were, first watched the Heard of X Men, uh, not not through the actual television series like you did on Fox Kids years ago. It was actually the first film uh, with Hugh Jackman. That was the first time I ever really knew what the X Men were. We actually saw that in theaters when we were kids, and I didn't really know what I was getting uh, into per se, but um, it was a really really uh, for the time it was a good film, and I loved Hugh Jackman as Wolverine or as uh, you call him, huge jacked man. Um, Even though he's tiny. He is tiny. And Wolverine um, as a character is really, really interesting because he kind of like traverses like this, this like really dark life. You know, he kind of goes through a lot of a bunch of trials and tribulations and faces a lot of like um, heartbreak. And it's just un because he's practically immortal because of his healing factor. At least until he uh, in a bunch of story arcs like uh, Logan's story arc where he gets killed um, and finally dies. But um, Wolverine is definitely, in my opinion, uh, in my top five and probably one of the most iconic, not just X-Men characters, but Marvel characters of all time. Uh, coming in number four, uh, very similar, would probably be Beast. I'm a big Beast fan. Um, I really like how he can be like super like like he can be a beast. And but at the same time, he's also one of the most intelligent beings in the x-men um and actually becomes a uh, a senator in the u.s uh in the u.s uh congress um fighting for mutants in the storyline um i i love how he can kind of turn it on and turn it off kind of thing and um i was always a big fan of beast as a character especially when they brought him into the films as well um big movie guy from uh in terms of bringing the superhero stuff to the film uh in the big screen uh, coming in at number three was, for me, uh, one of the very few X-Men comics that I actually read involved Cable. I really liked Cable a lot, um, and I loved him. When I first found him, was actually in a video game. It was actually X-Men Legends 2, a squad-based uh, game, action RPG game, where you could basically... Uh, create an entire team of X-Men characters to take on all these massive, massive foes. And I really, really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and that's when I first got uh, exposed to, uh, to to Cable. And uh, I really liked his story. I liked that he had this, uh, this, ar- this metal arm, which I thought was really awesome. And uh, again, uh, not really uh, too keen on, on the, uh, the whole like um history of cable but i really did enjoy some of the things i did read about him um and his whole the whole thing with how he was able to time travel how he ended up becoming the the x-men's leader and stuff like that uh just his his storyline was always a, a pretty cool concept to me um coming in at number two is apocalypse it's actually a villain um i love apocalypse i liked apocalypse even well before i even saw the film um, I liked him as one of the, the one of the main villains in this in the TV series because he could just he just annihilated them. Um, I was like, man, they really can't beat him. He really is uh, uh, the the apocalypse. And um, I always liked him as a villain. Um, I always liked that he uh, stood for what he what he was standing for. And the, the crazy thing was, is that he would always imbue four specific mutants with uh these powers because he he can imbue them with powers (coughs) excuse me and he called them the four horsemen of the apocalypse which i always thought was just like 
whoa, that's 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 wild. And then it would just be, <clears throat> excuse me, Apocalypse and his four horsemen just like kicking the crap out of the X Men. Not always, but there were a lot of times where even the Brotherhood of Mutants and the X Men had to team up just to take Apocalypse out. And I always thought that that was pretty intense. And my number one X-Men character of all time is another villain. And it's the only Marvel toy or set of toys that I actually collect and really love. And whenever I see him, I actually debate on if I want to get him or not. And that is Mr. Sinister. I really am a huge fan of Mr. Sinister. I love how he is like this, this devious taskmaster that just outsmarts like all of his all the heroes and the x-men he is able to outsmart so many people um and his intelligence rivals even um professor xavier on 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 some occasions based on some of the things that i've read um excuse me he uh, stop smoking the marlboro reds pal i apologize um you know mr sinister and his entire like just his entire layout and his and his his concept and his character was really really cool and um, like I said one of the only one of the very few toys from a Marvel perspective that I actually do collect myself I really do enjoy uh, Mister Sinister and his uh, his whole lore um, and his, and his uh, battles with the X Men so that's my top five uh, X Men uh, characters uh, like I said is Wolverine uh, Beast Cable Apocalypse. And Mr. Sinister coming in at number one. All right. Well, thank you for that. I'm not going to go too in-depth as you did. I'm just going to give you the top five. Simple as that. Coming in at five for me would be Beast. Definitely Beast. Love Beast. Love the look. He was a huge beastly man. Yes. Huge beastly man wearing a blue leisure suit. (laughs) You you guys know what that movie is. If you know, you know. Coming in at number four would be Wolverine. As much as everybody thinks that that's an easy pick, Wolverine is really cool. So, you know, the movies are are, are great with Wolverine. Love the Wolverine character, what he stands for. Undersized, rabid, Mm -hmm. gets after it, just like the real Wolverine. You know, can can heal himself. It's phenomenal, phenomenal character. Number three, I would say Gambit. I always thought Gambit's look was cool when I was a kid. The, the whole premise around Gambit's really cool, and we're not going to get into the specifics, but just love the look that Gambit brought across. I think that's why he has a lot of fans out there, and if you played with him in Marvel vs. Capcom, Gambit was one of the best characters to use in Marvel vs. Capcom. So, Gambit, there we go. I know you're number, number two. two. Would be, I know you're number two. Num- number two is coming in as Cyclops. Cyclops is number two on my list for mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. two episodes. I explained why... I love Cyclops so much. And then coming in at number one. But who's again, number we're one? Gonna, we're not going to go into too much depth at all because I feel like I want to talk about him totally by himself when we do a full X-Men, not comic book, X-Men series, television series talk. And it is Magneto. Magneto with the layers of his story, almost as if he's an anti-hero. Love Magneto. Very toyetic, too, when it comes to the helmet, the different looks of Magneto. But the X-Men 97 series, that look of Magneto is my favorite. So that is my top five. Beast, Wolverine, Gambit, Cyclops. And rounding it off with a villain is Magneto. 
anti-hero. And so, like I said, we will, we'll we'll talk more about that at a later date. So, moving forward, moving forward, there is going to be a couple of things in the works for this upcoming this upcoming fall. Okay, pay attention to toy releases. Okay, that's going to be quarter. I guess it's quarter four, quarter one, and quarter two just passed, so we're going into quarter three. I guess it's qu- quarter three right quarter three, now. And then, right now, quarter and then four quarter starts four, in October. Yeah, quarter four will be in October, leading up to the Christmas season. So just make sure that you're paying attention to that. Like this, like I said, the Hasbro line. Yep. For X Men '97 should be coming out. You have a lot of the Mattel releases from San Diego Comic Con that went up for pre order that are going to be coming out. Uh, one of the best things I use is Big Bad Toy Store, as well as ringside collectibles uh-huh. if you're into wrestling figures there's no better site than ringside collectibles yep. so always pre-order with them they ship promptly when the orders come in you know you have big bad toy store which will not bill you until the product that you pre-order is in their hands i cannot express enough big bad toy store is phenomenal for all your toy needs not just professional wrestling but any toy line out there that you love, Big Bad Toy Store and Ringside Collectibles are my two best. Sign up for Macari. Get a Macari account signed. You can get as much product on Macari as you wish. You can sell product easily on Macari, more so easily than eBay. And Macari has more prices that are formidable to the everyday man you're not getting ebay prices where they're trying to gouge you 80 dollars for a 25 dollar maximum value figure so mercari get on mercari we will be doing a whatnot stream yes we we will be on whatnot that date has not been set yet but we will do a whatnot stream selling cards and loose toys maybe some middle card toys not sure yet, but that is in the works as well for yep. the month of August. Yep. So that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, episode two. Yeah. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Nope. Just really excited. Can't wait for the um, the whatnot stream. Got some really cool stuff to uh, that I, I'm not really fond of that I don't really uh, need anymore. That it would probably be in better hands in the future for uh, someone who uh, wants it to add to their collection. So. We'll keep the updates on the whatnot stream. That's going to be both a live auction and pre-bids. Okay. So you'll be able to pre-bid something or buy something that, you know, we're not going to auction. So keep, we'll work out those details, iron out those details. But I foresee that coming mid to late August for that. And then next episode, we're going to focus on some, just a little preview ski here. We're going to be focusing on some toy releases, some card releases, and obviously work weekly purchases so just stay tuned for episode three yeah guys and like i said um if you end up getting involved with a collecting hobby like my brother and i um just know like there is a there's a difference between collecting and and uh, addiction so don't let the the the, the need like the want get in the way of what you actually need and um then you'll you'll find yourself uh, in a happier place, uh, especially if you're collecting what you know, not what you think you know. Well, we're coming up on an hour and twenty minutes, so I'll see. We'll see everybody next time. Signing off. Have a good one, guys.